it's good to be here. Um, as, as Pastor Sean read, Jesus says, I am the door. I love the statements of Jesus, the I am statements. Um, I love that he goes to so much trouble to make sure that we know who he is. And he paints these pictures for us because it just speaks to the fact that we have a God who wants to be known, who wants us to know him. Um, this passage where he says, I'm, I'm the door, and anyone who comes in has to come in by me. Um, he was painting a picture of, of something that the audience he was talking to would have been very familiar with. Uh, the sheep uh, at the end of the night in the evening would be gathered by the shepherd, and oftentimes they would be scooched down into like the, the end of a canyon or back up against a cliff face. There would be uh, kind of waist-high walls that the shepherds would have built with stone uh, to kind of keep the sheep safe, and so they would have been corralled into this area with only one entrance, and then the, that shepherd would have either put something in the way, like a big kind of thorny bramble kind of thing, or he himself would have stood in the entryway kind of as a sentry and there would be no passing in or no passing out and the people would have gotten this picture when he says I am the door they would have been like okay he is the one that is standing here and there is no going beyond without going through him and um, but but as he as he says I'm a door some passages some translations will say I'm a, I am the gate gate door it's the entryway right um, but it made me actually think of, how many of you guys remember the old game show, Let's Make a Deal, where there's the three doors, and there's like, what's behind door number one, door number two, door number three? And, and you say, well, Monty, I'm going to pick door number one. And, and you're hoping, you're just hoping that there is a brand new car right behind the door, right? Um, but there's only one. You know, the other doors might have something like you get like a toothbrush or a pair of shoes or something. It's not, it's, it's clearly you lost. Um, uh, there's only one door and Jesus is saying here, I'm the door. Don't go peeking behind those other doors. That's not the way. I am the way. And no one, no one comes to the Father but by me. We sometimes don't like that in our, in our society right now where we want everybody to feel good and everybody to feel included. And, and some people don't like Jesus saying, I'm the way, I'm the door, I'm it. Um, but this is the reality that we face in the, in the scriptures. And um, I want to talk about Jesus, the door. I want to I see more about his nature. But before we talk too much about Jesus, too much about the door, I want to talk about what's on either side of the door. Because if we're going to go through a door, we want to know what's on the other side, right? You know, you know it's, we don't want to play the game show where we just have to guess and we don't know what's on the other side. We want to know what's on the other side. So what is beyond the door when we go through Jesus into the place he has for us? And what's on this side? Like, what's on this side? Because you can't really go somewhere until you leave somewhere else, right? Like, I can't, I can't go to the Garden State, to New Jersey, unless I leave Washington. Um, So we want to talk about what's on both sides. We want to talk about also where is this door? Where do I find it? Where do I find Jesus? How do I get there? And we want to talk about actually even when is this door? Is this, is this the door I walk through when I breathe my last breath here on earth and I, I enter into eternity? Or is that door somewhere? Is it the door when 
I'm back in the, in the kindergarten room as a six-year-old, and I raise my hand. Is that where the door is? Where is the door? When is the door? Um, what is the time and relative distance in space for the door? Anybody get that? She did. I can see the smile. TARDIS, time and relative distance in space. Any Doctor Who fans? Anyone? There's a few. Okay. We're the cool ones, really. They think we're the geeky ones, but we're the cool ones. Okay, so what is the time and relative distance and space of this door? Where, when, how, how do I get there? Um, in the passage, Jesus does say, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So something beyond this door is being referred to as pasture. Well, what is pasture? We can, we can think back to uh, Psalm 23. Many of you have probably heard that. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Okay, so that I shall not be in want. I shall, not, I shall lack nothing. It speaks to provision. On the other side of the door, when we go through the door that is Christ, on the other side, he gives us provision. He says that uh, he, he will make me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes God has to make me lie down. But on the other side of that door, there's rest, right? There's rest. So it speaks of provision. It speaks of rest. Anybody here get tired of striving? Anybody here get weary? Man, being on the other side of that door might be a good idea. Jesus also spoke about a lot about the kingdom, being on the other side of that door is to, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, that was his gospel message while he was on earth is repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In fact, 123 times in the gospels, it says the word kingdom. The kingdom obviously must have a king. So on the other side of the door is the place where Jesus is enthroned, where he is in charge. The book of John, where we're getting all these I am statements, also has uh, the distinctive of, of talking a lot about signs. He, when he talks about Jesus' miracles, he doesn't just say miracles, he says signs, because they're, they're like signposts along the road, showing that the kingdom of heaven is breaking in onto the earth. These are signs. In the, in the kingdom of heaven, the signs are that there is, there is healing, and sickness has no power. Another sign that John brings out is the miracles. Feeding thousands, food distribution, needs are met. Casting out demons shows that only God has authority in the kingdom of heaven. So these signs are there. On the other side of the door, we can see a new reality where the powers of this earth are weakened and the powers of Jesus Christ are strengthened and prevail. Jesus told a lot of parables about the kingdom, the stories. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. A man goes along a field and finds a treasure, and then he buries it up again and goes and sells everything he has. And then he goes back and buys that land so that he could have the treasure. It's worth all of what he has. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl, of great price, great value. This would have been the most valuable thing. It would have been above rubies, above diamonds, the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is so rich and amazing and good and beautiful that he sells 
everything, everything for this pearl. On the other side of the door is our citizenship in the kingdom. Ephesians 2 says, through him, that is Jesus, the door, we have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So on the other side is a new kingdom where we have citizenship. It's a place where Jesus reigns and grants access to the Father through the Spirit. The other side holds provision. It holds rest. It, death and sickness and disease hold no power. It is where family is gathered. Sons and daughters of the king, brothers and sisters on the other side, we are family. It is a place of great value and incredible beauty. Sounds pretty great, right? Who wants to be on the other side of the door? Yeah. Who wouldn't want to go? What is, on, what is it on this side of the door that might make us want to stay? Familiarity, yeah. You know this side, right? The other side you haven't seen yet, maybe. So the outside, outside the door is described in Ephesians 2. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So the Bible contrasts the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of this world. Now, it's important to, to make the distinction that this is not the good earth that God created that we're talking about. God made the earth and he called it good, and it's kind of messed up right now, but it's going to be redeemed. Um, you go back, go to the end of the book. Back of the book, Revelation, uh, it tells you. There is going to be a new heaven, a new earth. God's going to redeem this earth. He gave us physicality, and he called it good. So when we're saying the world versus the kingdom, we're not saying physical bodies and physical planets are bad, okay? God said those were good, but we're talking about the world system. We're talking about the ways things run when they're being run by what Ephesians calls the prince of the power of the air instead of, instead of our God, and it's broken, the world would say, uh, drink this, sleep with this person, eat this. It's all about the flesh. It's all about what feels good right here and now with no thought to the future. Why does it have no thought to the future? Because if you're not through the door, there is no future. There's only death. It's only now. Um, drunkenness is great for the night, but then there's the hangover in the morning. Um, food satisfies the senses, um, but pleasure fades, and overindulgence can lead us to be sick and unhealthy. Intimacy outside of biblical morality uh, can give us immediate gratification, but it too cannot last. It's, it's in the wor words of Ecclesiastes, all this 
is meaningless, a chasing after, after the wind. There's, there's nothing permanent. You see, the world this side is very temporary. It's a temporary fix. On the other side of the door, there is eternity. There is eternal bliss. Galatians 4 says that we were in slavery under the elemental forces of the world. But those who have come through the door, you're no longer a slave, but God's child. So we're seeing this, this contrasting comparison. We've got the kingdom and we've got the world, and they, they are opposed to each other. This side is slavery. The other side is family. This side is temporary. The other side is eternal joy. So it sounds like it would be a good idea to leave this side, to leave the world side, and go over to the kingdom side, right? It sounds like a good idea to get to the door, but how, where? How do I get to this door? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. And what does that mean? Um, after Jesus had gone to the cross, and taken the penalty for our sins, and had been raised again in victory, and called up to heaven to be at the right hand of Father God. The Holy Spirit was poured out. The book of Acts in chapter 2 describes this time. And this time when the Holy Spirit is poured out, Peter stands up and he gives the gospel message of his life. He talks about all that has come to to bring Jesus to this point. And he talks about how you crucified him. I put him there. I love that, that hymn we sung. It was my sins that held him on the cross. And it says that the people were cut to the heart. And they asked this question, what should we do? They were pierced to the heart. And they said, what should we do? And he said, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So the waters of baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, this is what it takes to get to and through the door to be born again. We have this earthly life and we have to forsake it to some extent to go to Jesus and say, I want to be made new and I want to be a member of this kingdom on this side. I want to put aside my temporary fixes, the short-term medication that doesn't really solve the problem, just masks the condition. And I want to go and be made new and be healed from the inside out. This is how we get to Jesus. We repent. We turn. We go the other way. We believe. Starting with the basic, it's simply believe in Jesus. That's actually, you know, that's, that is the one piece of work we have, Right? We're saved, not by what we do, but by the grace of God. 
that we access through faith. The one thing he says you got to do, you got to believe. You got to believe. And in fact, the book of John that you're going through with these I am statements, he says very clearly, he says, I've written these things. These things are written down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus is giving us the opportunity for real life. Not the shadow of life that we live in, in the world system. This is where we find Jesus, at that place of belief, in a state of repentance, with the infilling of his spirit and the waters of baptism. That is where we find our Jesus. So why would anyone not enter? It seems like we've made a pretty good case, right? Why would anyone not enter? Well, I think some try to get in by other ways. He talks about that. Those who go around, those who try to climb over, those who try to get in by some other way. And, and I have to admit, sometimes I feel like I've tried to sneak in some other way. I've tried to be good enough. I've tried to be nice enough, caring enough, giving enough, generous enough, and loving enough to get in. But I can't get in that way. And neither can you. Anybody else out there that ever tried, found themselves trying to be a good enough person? We can't get in that way. We only get in through the blood, through the blood of Christ. The passage that we read earlier in another version, the Bible for everyone says, I'm telling you the solemn truth, said Jesus. Anyone who doesn't come into the sheepfold by the gate but by, gets in some other way is a thief and a brigand. I like to read the, the Bible for everyone version because it's British. And I get to see brigand. A thief and a brigand. <laughs> it's just a fun way to say it. Um, this, this is not the true citizens, right? This is not the true family. This is the imposter. And I think there have been times in my life where I can be held guilty of trying to be an imposter. Saying I'm a Christian by being a good enough person. But we must enter through Jesus. We must enter through his blood. Hebrews 10 tells us, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. We go through the curtain that is his body, through the door by his blood. And the challenging part is, in doing that, we have to face Jesus. Now, why would we be scared to do that? Well, to face God can be a little frightening, right? It could be a little intimidating. We can't sneak around and just be a good person, get around the door. We have to come to the door. We have to face the door. We have to look at the face of Jesus. And when we face him, we see ourselves. That's the truly frightening part. We see that we are filthy in our sin. And he is pure, white as snow. We see that we are flawed. And he is perfect. We see our failures 
and we look at his righteousness. How many of us don't enter in because we cannot face Jesus and in so doing face ourselves? But we cannot go around. We have to go through it. We cannot use good works. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot get in by comparison. Sometimes we want to compare ourselves and say, well, God's going to want some people on that side, and, you know, I'm better than some of these other people. C.S. Lewis actually says that we don't actually want the unconditional love of God. When it comes right down to it, I mean, we say that that sounds great, but when it comes right down to it, we kind of want there to be a condition. We kind of want there to be something in us that we think is kind of worth it, right? I kind of want it. But he says you're worth it because you're in my image. And me in you makes you righteous and holy. And we don't get in because of our good works. We get, he loves us not because of how great we are, not because of how good our hair is and how nice our clothes are, how, how sweet we are to the little old lady next door. We don't get in because of that. He doesn't love us because of that. He loves us because it is his nature to love. It is all his goodness. And so that when we come through the door, walking through the door requires us to face Jesus and it requires us to duck. We have to humble ourselves. We have to duck to get in the door. We have to humble ourselves and face the reality of who we really are in all our selfish depravity and we accept Christ's substitution for us on the cross. We accept his new identity that he gives us when we are born again. And we get to put on Christ. The Bible tells us to actually put on Christ. Picture yourself putting on a big old Jesus suit. And that's God looks at you and he sees that righteousness and that holiness that Jesus has placed upon us. We are, we are told that he places on us robes of righteousness. We die to ourselves and we rise again to him through the waters of baptism. We get a new heart, a new spirit, his Holy Spirit. We're born again of water and spirit, like Jesus said. We cannot get around the cross. We must face it. We cannot get around the door, the face of Jesus. We must look at him and face it. And we must repent and believe, as Jesus says, to confess our sins and be forgiven, to humble ourselves and be made new. So this is how we get to Jesus. This is where the door is. We find the door at this place. But when? When is the door? I think a lot of people think about the door being someplace where we accept Jesus uh, before we die, as long as we do it before we die, the door is really passing from this world to the next, right? They, th they think that, that, well, I'll just wait. I'll just wait until the end because that's when it matters. Um, and they look at their timeline. If you look at this, picture the world and the kingdom, and they, the line is our timeline, right? We're born into the world and we enter, in, and they think the door is in between, right? And they go through the door and they enter into the eternity of the kingdom. But that's not really where, how it is. It's really more of an overlap. You see, 
John gave us t- the signs that the kingdom of heaven is breaking in even now. And the door, the door is today. The door is the day you decide Jesus is my Lord. The door happens while we're still on this earth, in this earth, and then we live out a portion of that timeline in the overlap, in the in-between. We get to, now, if you see where the, the green ends and the purple starts, you get to see how you, you will one day breathe your last breath as a human being on this earth, and you will enter into that eternity, that kingdom. But in between the time that we accept Jesus and the time we li- breathe our last breath on this life, there's an overlap. And I live in the world, and I have the troubles of the world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean I've gone through the door and everything's going to be jumping and and celebrating and tiptoeing through the tulips, right? We still have trouble on this world. But the difference is, when we're on the other side of the door, we have the resources of the kingdom to help us through the trouble. We are now citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we get to pull from all the resources that that citizenship offers. I will tell you that you will have trouble even as a Christian. The last few years of my life have been the hardest of my life. The last four years have been brutal. I have been beaten down My soul crushed. But I will tell you that because I have passed through the door, Jesus Christ is my strength and my provision. And when I can't walk another step, he gives me rest. If I had not passed through the door and accepted Christ as my Lord, I wouldn't be alive today. We live in the in-between of the kingdom and the world. And nobody gets through the world without being a little beat up. Right? It's a broken world. We're going to get battered around. But when we have the resources of being members of the family of God, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we can overcome the world just as Jesus did in his strength. Life on this side of the door is not always easy, but it is so much better than being on our own outside the fold. Come to this side of the door. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. That passage refers to the Passover when the Israelites were in Egypt and the plague of death was coming. They painted the blood of the lamb on the doors. And those Israelites that passed through that door under the blood, they went through the blood. The angel of death walked over, floated over, and passed over that home. And death did not come there. They were kept safe by the blood of the lamb. And that is what our Jesus does for us. He keeps us safe as his flock. By his blood, we are protected. So I want to ask you, have you been trying to get in around the corners? I've been there. Have you been trying to be good enough? Have you been trying to just do the right things? Go to enough Bible studies? Give enough tithes and offerings? Try to mind your P's and Q's and watch your language? Have you been trying to be good enough to get in? Have you avoided facing the face of Jesus and looking at your own depravity? I'm going to do something that's probably a little uncomfortable, a little different. But I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine the door, Jesus being here. And I want to invite you, if you've been trying to win your way into this sheepfold by any other method than his grace, I want to invite you, if you've been striving, if you've been struggling, if you've been trying to be a good Christian, and you're ready to give that up and just face the door and step through. I want to invite you to actually physically walk forward. I know that's weird and it's awkwardness, but just embrace the awkward. This is, this is, my, this is my motto, embrace the awkward. Um, imagine there's a door here. Or if you're on that side, there's a door there. Just come forward and we're just going to wait a couple seconds to see if anybody would like to come forward and face the door. Pastor Sean is going to pray with people and I will pray with people. expand on that invitation now for those of you who maybe have accepted Christ you've gone through the door but there's a passage in Galatians where Paul talks about a people who have started off in faith and along the way they have tried to earn 
their salvation by works. They started off in faith, but then along the way, they thought they had to add to it adding to their faith. If that's you, if you're, if you're finding yourself moving in a direction where you have forgotten to just rest in Jesus and you are striving, I want to invite you to come forward and walk up to that door again and remind yourself of, of who you are in Christ. to face with the living God can be frightening. But where you are, I just ask that you close your eyes and imagine Jesus before you. Let him tell you how much he loves you and values you and wants you into to come into him, into the fold, into the family of God. Lord, I pray for those who need the resources of the kingdom to be played out in their life. I pray that they would that they would see they would see your provision, that they would feel your peace, that they would settle into your rest. Today is the day of salvation, says the word of God. Lord, reach down and pull us up from the pit that we're in. We need to see those signs of your kingdom. We need to see your face, the face of the one who both invites us in and stands guard over us to keep us safe, safe in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making us your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.